Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. I invite us now to hear these words of Paul. Now to God who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, Before I... um, Get underway with this sermon time. I want to say thank you to the choir. That was beautiful. Um, yeah. um, as always, I don't always take a moment to thank you, but do know that every time I hear you sing, it is a gift and a blessing. And thank you to Jenny for leading, uh, leading you. And as we all know, this is uh, Jenny Slays. It's our last Sunday with us as she enters into retirement, and we are celebrating that. Um, We want to recognize it. We're not going to dwell on it because this is a day of joy. That's the sermon topic of the day is joy, a time for joy. And as we have arrived in this fourth uh, Sunday of Advent, we have made our way through different times on this journey. As, uh, As this sermon series has led us to consider a time for Thanksgiving was our first week, followed by a time of patience and then a time for humility. And now is time for joy. And there is so much to rejoice. There is so much to have joy in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives. You know, this past week has been yet another busy week in, in, in the life of, well, and every one of you, I know every one of us are busy about the business of doing something, getting ready for Christmas and family or travel. and All of this stuff is just happening. It's just constantly unfolding, almost like a cascading falls. It's just one thing after another, after another, after another. And, and if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves smiling and enjoying ourselves. You know, Wednesday, Wednesday night, we'll be going back to Sunday evening, the children's uh, program invited us to consider what it means to have our, our hearts grow as we serve others and, and, and look beyond ourselves with the story of the Grinch. That was amazing. If you were there, you, you know how much fun that was. And then on Wednesday evening, we had a, a small service in here, a quiet time to remember that even in a season of joy, that in... In the lives of real people, there is pain. And it's good every now and then just to stop and pause long enough to recognize and acknowledge brokenness and pain in our lives. But it doesn't interfere with joy. We can still rejoice. Even with all this stuff that we carry around with us. Thursday was a was a banner day here. If you were here, you could smell it. I mean, you could you didn't have to be here. You could be miles away and smell it. And, and, and that's a good thing. Smelling it was a fine thing. 
Bob and the missions team and put together this Boston butt smoke and, and, and uh, frying turkeys. They fried 18 turkeys and have 50, more than 50 butts that they have cooked or are about to cook again. Tomorrow he will undergo again. So you're in, in, the, in the city of Mobile, you will smell more Boston butts um, tomorrow. And this is all, I mean, this is a lot of work. Ask Bob how much work goes into this planning, the logistics, and then just getting the right number of fryers and the right number of, make sure you've got everybody's meat and the right meat and all cooked to the right degree. And those turkeys are something, right, Bob? They're, they're a piece of work. The Boston butts are a lot easier. You put them on, your wait, and you wait. And while you're waiting, you're smelling, and you're smelling. I don't know how much you ate when you got home. I wanted to eat a whole side of beef when I got home. But I'm going to have to wait for my Boston butt until after tomorrow. But what a, what a day. And then the preschool program, they ended theirs with their annual nativity play. They, they walk through, the children dress up, each class dress up, puts on their own play, and they walk through the nativity story. What a... What a week. And then all the while we're, we're shopping and planning and getting groceries and getting things ready. And if we're not careful, we'll smile. Even in all this business. You know, it's a, it's a weird thing to read this doxology of, of Paul in Romans chapter 16. Just to read those three verses. 25 through 27. To have that in front of us, to, to hear Paul praise God, how he understands God, how he has experienced God revealed to himself. And then he has taken on the mantle to be an evangelist, to be a preacher, a pastor. And as he proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, the good news of God that is revealed and displayed through Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Messiah, our Savior. When we read those verses, it's cumbersome. It really is. Because there's very little context here. Just to pull those last three verses up and to read those three verses... They sound great and they sound powerful. The power lies what happens in those 16 chapters before. You know, as I was thinking about the, today's sermon, I, I recall a story that a friend of mine, David Hendricks, told me um, that, that occurred to him uh, many years ago. David is a few years older than I am and he grew up in Columbus, Georgia. And um, he was around uh, Columbus State College that was being developed and, and built and there's a story that came out of Columbus State College when they were building, um, adding on and building and, and growing this nice little campus there that the president, they had finished several buildings and they had the landscaping done, but they, were, they, had, they had kind of outlined everything but the sidewalks. The sidewalks weren't done. And so the president had talked to the, the, the director, the chief of the grounds and, and buildings and facilities, and, and he said, I'll take care of it. It's going to be fine. I, I know what we're going to do. And just 
You don't have to worry about it. And so weeks go by and nothing is staked out. There's no work being done on sidewalks. And so the president calls up the director's office and says, I'm kind of concerned here. And we've talked about these sidewalks and we have these beautiful buildings and this landscaping is done, everything except the sidewalks. And the director said, you just need to just relax. It's going to be okay. I've got it. He says, okay. He waits a couple more weeks and the weather's fine and nothing's happening. And so he I said, I'm going to go down. I'm going to go down and talk to him in his office. So he goes down. He walks over to the director's office and he, he knocks on the door and comes in and he says, I, you know, we've talked about this. I've called you. Nothing is happening. These students are walking all over the grounds. And the director said, exactly. He said, what do you mean exactly? Well, they're going to show us where to put the sidewalks. So as these students were laying out the pathways, this director was taking note. There's something in that little story that kind of speaks to me about this, well, all of the book of Romans, but really as we get into this doxology and how this doxology kind of looks back on the whole book, the whole letter, 16 chapters of Romans. You know, if you you read through Romans a few times, and I encourage you to do this, if you read through it once, you're probably not going to get it. No one does. It comes across very complicated, very um, disjointed, and, and it just seems too complex. But if you read through it several times, you begin to pick up the different theses that are that are, are coming through these themes that are rising up that Paul is addressing through these 16 chapters. There are, are about a dozen different major themes that are being played out in Romans. You know, as the purpose of this letter is probably uh, for Paul to introduce himself to this church he had never been to in Rome. They didn't know him. They probably heard about him. They knew what he was doing, but they didn't know him. So he was writing to introduce himself and, and to more than just say, Hi, I'm, I'm Paul, who will be known as a saint. I, I'm, 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 this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I think. This is how I understand God. That's what he wanted to get across. And so as we kind of read through Romans, these 16 chapters, there are about a dozen different themes. The, the first one is the righteousness of God. And the second one, I'm just going to read through these um, so you can understand the, the breadth of this letter. The universality of sin, the justification of humankind, the death of Jesus Christ, that is an atonement received through Christ's death. Then there's this theme of the relationships that exist among faith and works, grace and law, Gentile and Jew. Then there's a theme of grace and freedom that relates to sanctification, which relates to new life. And then he talks about ethical psychology that is the relationship between flesh and the spirit. And then he talks about the Redeemer and the Holy Spirit. He talks about the baptism and the church and the love that exists among believers. And then he talks about this idea of the remnant and the problem of Jewish apostasy. And then he talks about God's ultimate purposes. 
And so you can hear in the breadth of these concerns and these themes, there is a lot going on in this letter. And throughout this entire letter, he's giving thanks to God for God's grace, for God's love, for for God's people. And when he arrives at this doxology, he revisits many of these themes. Hear the doxology now with this litany of themes behind us. Now to God who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but now is disclosed and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. So as Paul wraps up his letter, he offers his typical doxology, praise to God. But this one's a little different. And he begins to revisit And let all this stuff cascade back into this praise and thanksgiving for God. For God's work through Jesus Christ. I think if we look carefully at this doxology, we will see and we will understand that Paul, through his life and through his readings of the prophets in the Old Testament understood God revealing God's self to humankind. He revealed God's self to the Israelites and through their history, through the scriptures, through the prophets, and through Jesus Christ, his life, his passion, his death, and his resurrection. But Paul also understood that the reason to rejoice goes beyond these revelations. The reason to rejoice is that this continues. When it looks complete, it's not. It continues. On and on and on. God continues to reveal God's self to humankind. And so just as those students show the director where to lay sidewalks, God continues to work through humankind, through people like us, through the choir, through Jenny, through Bob, through the missions committee, through Ashland Place, to reveal God's self, God's grace and love that allows us to love one another, allows us to experience grace, God's grace, and to rejoice in all days and in all times. And I think that's the point, at least one of the points of Paul's doxology. And so today, wherever we find ourselves, whatever lies ahead for us in this season and in the year to come, rejoice, knowing that God continues to reveal God's self to us. And in ways and through people we would never expect. Thanks be to God.